Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 481. This is the uh, show that is uh, dedicated to all things music, technology, music production, live production, software, synthesizers, drum machines, all that kind of stuff. So if you sit back for the next hour or so and uh, we will endeavour to entertain you the best you can. Uh, if you've not come across us before and you like what you see, uh, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got lots of reviews, interviews, all kinds of stuff. In fact, we just put over 100 videos out from NAMM. So if you're, if you're at a loose end, this weekend you could attempt to watch all of them it's around about 12 hours i think something like that or if you want to watch all of the previous sonic talks that's going to take you weeks but you know some people enjoy this i thought i would just let you know so i want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors isotope they will be uh Offering a competition prize about halfway through the show in about half an hour or so of the Neutron mixing plugin. So please do stay tuned for that. And I want to say thank you very much to our live chat room uh, guests who are in the IRC channel. We're working on getting the web chat going and also all of you guys and gals listening and watching on YouTube. Thank you very much for joining us. So let's get to it. We'll start with, uh, let's go to Mr. Mark Tinley. We haven't seen him for ages. Happy Happy New Year, <laughs> Mark. Happy New Year, indeed, yes. Happy New Year. So how um, have you been, oh, apart from growing hair? Uh, that has happened, hasn't it? Yeah, it I, certainly uh, has. I've been all right. Yeah, I've been all right. Um, doing uh, all the same things. Had no idea uh, quite how difficult it is being a retailer and how much of your life it takes up. But I'm really enjoying it. So uh, apologies for not having been here more often. Uh um, because I've been making weird things. Making weird things and selling weird and things, stuff. right? <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's, of course, uh, I've got the wrong lower third there. It's sonusmagus.com, isn't it, is where we should uh, it is, check right? Yeah. That's well, that you... one will get you there anyway, because I've tried to consolidate all that and simplify it so that uh, I'm spending less time doing websites as well. So hopefully that if you type that URL, it will just take you straight to the other website anyway. Excellent. Glad to have you aboard. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much. And also, we got Mr. Non Eric from Musotalk.de, our friends in Germany who uh, basically do a similar service to us. That's music technology and all the associated byproducts. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I had a sunny day in Berlin. Excellent. A nice time of year to be in Berlin. Of course, we've got Superbooth coming up as well. So you Absolutely. don't actually have to do the commute, you lucky soul. Um, so what's been happening on Muso Talk then? Well, 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 a lot of, we started a, we just started a kind of a series of uh, trials uh, where we tr test out a couple of new formats. We just launched uh, a, a news compilation, a weekly news compilation as a trial on Saturday that went down really well with our community. And yeah, we've got a couple of reviews coming up. We'll be having a live stream on Friday, five o'clock German time on musatalk.de where we will be, uh, you know, going through Halion 6, this, this huge uh, sampler update from Steinberg, which is basically it's more like a development tool for samples than a, <laughs> a regular sampler. So that uh, I'm, I'm going to have uh, two experts in the show will be uh, answering questions coming in via the chat. And yeah, more oh, and more review stuff. I've got about 1300 videos on 
on YouTube. So if you like, I think you're beating us there. I think I, I think we're probably only uh, I can't. I think we're no. I think we're about sixteen hundred. But you know, there we go. We'll just have to, the the ah. the video race continues. But they, uh, great. Yes. Well, nice to have you aboard, non Eric, and uh, a pleasure as ever. We'll get back to you in a shortly. Um, and we have Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, who we haven't seen for a little while. You've been what working, presumably out working. on the road? Is it on the road or in the studio? In the studio, but in the studio, had a band in from Japan and doing kind of Beatlesque music, um, and uh, worked with them for many days. And then the other t- the other time that I have has been spent on going through various types of uh, tape simulator plugins and tape machines and comparing how different those plugins and so forth work. And I'm going to write a big paper about it and. You know, become an internationally published author, and there you go. <laughs> and you'll be doing conferences and special like TED talks. Yeah, and then, that's uh, it. The, the spe- you'll become the tape con- the tape saturation consultant for maybe the BBC or you know I don't know one of these other Something major like news inter- news organisations. That's what we're like working. Or maybe I'll I'll start putting out lots of videos too. Although I think of all of you guys, I have the fewest number of videos. I have probably three videos. Oh, just not, uh, I gotta, I gotta up my video intake, or rather outtake. Output. Yeah, maybe it's the yeah, output. Well, I'm, I, yeah, Charles, it would be very, very interesting to hear about what your findings are on the subject. You know, at the very least, I have created uh, a lot of um, graphics that I could actually send to you right now. And just when you look at the graphics, you'll see exactly what I've discovered. It is bizarre what's happening in the world of plugins. So huh. there you go. Oh, Give I'm me your address for- and I'll send it to you. I'm so. looking forward to that. That sounds, <laughs> yeah, like, a, that sounds like a very interesting yeah. uh, concept and might link into a product uh, at one of the topics a little bit later on because I expect you'll have quite a lot of those. So... Um, well, as we know, um, Grammy week and also BAFTA week. And obviously Grammy week, uh, the big news was, uh, well, this really. This is Adele, uh, who scoops like five Grammys. And there was doing a live performance which tribute to uh, George Michael. Nice touch. And just for some reason started off in the wrong key. And then uh, I think this comes up in a few seconds, just sort of says sod this or some other word and just says let's do it again see if we can find the moment excruciating she does look a bit uncomfortable as you would oh come on I should have I should have cleared that got the moment where it happened I think it's any second now (laughs) yes further in the video than I thought it's coming up. It's coming up. I just, I don't know about you. Uh, it's funny this. It seems to be split down the middle. Half of people are going, oh, what's she like? It's all about her. And the other half are going, brilliant, good for you. Live TV, Grammys, big showbiz awards, just like, no, because she, she messed it up once before, didn't she? And it must have been an absolutely awfully uncomfortable kind of moment. And this brings up a number of things. I mean, first, what do you think of it? Second, you know, have you been in that kind of situation? You know, the pressures of that sort of things, particularly with live, although there must have been a delay because they managed to bleep out her potty mouth. I'm going to go to the American, the, t- the American first, because it's your it's your national awards. So uh, yes. what, what's this? What's the kind of, what's the word on the street, Charles? Well, I don't have any insider information yet, although I'm pretty sure I know the guy who mixed that, mixed the broadcast mix. 
which is it's probably Steve Genowick and maybe Al Schmidt because I know they get very involved in that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll write to them, find out. But um, you know, it's I, I'm glad she did that. Uh, I have been in live shows where people have had to start over. You know, I work with OMD a lot, and you know they have no no compunction about starting over a song if it's just not going right. But um, one thing that occurred to me is there's like this. Um, so obviously with, with um, Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer Lopez. Was it Jennifer? Lopez? No, uh, who was Adele. it last week? Oh no, uh, no, no. Uh, oh, Mariah Carey. Yeah. All right. Carey. Oh yes, that's right. And uh, and then this, uh, you know, if I'd say if it happens again within the next month, then. I'm going to feel like this might be some sort of attempt at trying to seem more authentic. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, I know that's a weird way to take it, but I've just sort of – I've done enough shows like this where, you know, they, I mean, even live broadcast shows, they delay by quite a bit. And they're, they have – it's like it's, everything's just so tight the way they have it. And then to see something like this where, where she messes up, I'm just sort of thinking, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just talking. Oh, what you think it might be a, a a larger plan to actually try and uh, make the just sort of humanize the whole thing a bit more a part yeah. of the, oh interesting yeah interesting. I, I, that's that's what I think I, I don't it, I'm not saying that is what happened but that was the first thing that came to mind and you know yes it's this is an emotional tribute for her and uh, and and maybe this adds to the dramatic effect and I was looking at the commentary on the YouTube video and you know. I, apparently, I'm not alone in thinking that sort of thing. So, who knows? Safety Conspir- numbers is conspiracy not necessarily... theorist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, who knows? Who knows what happened? It's, it's similar to the Mariah Carey thing. You kind of go, well, you know. I, I yeah, don't well, know you can't. I mean, if, I mean, the thing is, if it's midnight on New Year's Eve, you can't delay it that much because that's the time, yeah, exactly. isn't it? I mean, there's not that's much true. you can do about that, really. Yeah. Uh, I, so. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Mark, you've done a, quite a lot of shows. I mean, when you were touring with Duran, I'm guessing, you know, they must have done some live TVs and things where, where you know, what's the approach? Do you kind of the show must go on or do you stop and start again? I mean, I'm, I think stop and start again, although TV schedules are very tight and it must have been, they must have been. Well, all those big TV networks are bully. So I'm, uh, I'm amazed that she got away with doing that, actually, to be honest, because it would have cut the whole of the rest of the schedule up. They, they, they will, like, cut you off at, if if you haven't finished your slot on time and stuff like that. So uh, it's quite a hard thing to do to stop and then start again, I think, uh, because she's put the whole show out of sync. By 45 uh, seconds, yeah. Yeah, which is a lot in that world because it messes up all the advertising and then it costs everybody loads of money. So um, I would stop and start again. I'd, but I'd have to stop and start again maybe half a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the difference. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I suppose. I, I suppose because I, I watched a couple of like um, there were some Adele specials over Christmas, and I watched, and she's very uh, sort of real with the audience. And, and I, she did stop one of the songs, you know, in a show that I watched a while ago. And go, actually, I want to do that again. I didn't get that right, you know. And I think that's, I, I think that's quite endearing. But as you say, Chucky, it might be endearing. I, I just don't know that she'd be that calculated or anyone. But yes, I take your point. So, Mister Non Eric, have you been in that position? Would what would you do first of all? Start again, obviously. But I'm what really is interesting is that it took her so long to realize that she was so drastically out of tune. And that's kind of weird to me because 45 seconds is a very, very long time. And we heard her, you know, sing very off key. I mean, not just slightly and 
it wasn't a problem of the monitoring or anything because she kept she kept her uh, pitch hmm. in relation to what she thought was the right key for a very very long time totally ignoring the playback I, I, something is strange about it I'm but I'm not sure what it is does it take 45 seconds for you to realize well, I don't know. that I mean, you're the, the out of key well the first I mean because the first yeah, first 15 or 20 the first 15 or 20 are just a kind of bing they were just an, a piano man obviously in her monitor she's probably getting something completely different I mean I don't know if many people know but I mean I've certainly put uh, mixes together where you know the band start halfway you know after eight or 16 bars and there might be almost nothing for the singer to pitch with so you what you do is if there's any playback device in you stick a couple of monitor tracks on there and that might have like a some piano notes or the basic chord shape so that the singer can hear and knows what pitch they're singing to and then the rest of the band will come into it i mean that's fairly common practice so you'd imagine there would be the same thing maybe there isn't Mm. yeah it's weird to me to to watch it and have a you know go on okay 30 seconds singing the wrong pitch or more well i, I don't know maybe she doesn't have a, a, a separate monitor mix a, a, you know a, a pitching monitor mix and maybe she didn't realize because you could see her face was sort of like what am i gonna do what am i gonna do this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel right so yeah i mean because she oh. must have been thinking you do you not think that she must have also been thinking can i do this because it's a live tv it's grammys you know it's like i know i know what's at stake or, here maybe i'll be able to pull maybe it Maybe she is waiting for the pitch correction to <laughs> grab it, to, to get it, you know, Maybe and she, that's very she keeps on doing it and doing it. And she thinks the pitch correction should be able to get it, you know, should be able to get it. Oh, it's not getting it. It's not getting it. Oh, oh, where am I? <laughs> oh, that's harsh. I've heard, I've heard tell in um, backstage circles of people putting, uh, monitor engineers putting uh, pitch shift on the singer's feed if they've fallen out with the singer. Uh, they will send uh, something with completely the wrong pitch to the singer's ears just to completely mess with them. So maybe she's fallen out with a monitor engineer. Oh, Auntie Adele, how could they? <laughs> she's she's she's, she's like such a regular gal. But the other thing that came up about this is, wait, I mean, she won, uh, if I got it here, she won uh, five Grammys. So album of the year. Uh, song of the year, record of the year, best solo pop performance, perhaps not for that night, uh, best pop vocal as well. I mean, that's a lot of awards for one artist to get. And uh, one thing that also, you know, there's the the other bit of news was she said Beyonce should get this one. I think it was for the album, wasn't it? And, you know, which again seems, you know, seems very real and everybody responded well to it. But I'm wondering what on earth are the people who vote for the Grammys thinking about just sort of... Because she did it last year as well. Why why would you ignore all the other artists? I mean, because they could have given... If you've got the best song of the year and album of the year, best pop vocal album, surely could go to somebody else. It seems a very curious sort of thing to not give any other talent a, a look in. I don't know. Charles, oh, do you have... It, yeah. Sorry. I've, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to ask the question. I thought the Grammys were um, given by sales. So it's in Germany, we also have an award and it's by record sales. So there is no jury or voting. It's usually the artist with the most sold records or downloads or stream or whatever it is these days. He gets the award, the echo. No, and it's I thought not. Grammy would be exactly like that, not like the Oscars, where there's a jury, 
people voting. Grammys I are thought jury, it was yeah. uh, based on on facts. No, Grammys. Well, Grammys are. are. Uh, I, I, I've, I've got the page up here. Grammys are uh, that you, to, you have to fulfil certain criteria to be nominated. You get nominated, and then it goes to. Uh, the panel, whoever the panel are, and the uh, of the members voting are not known until the Grammy Awards. So, so it's a it's a, it's it's basically a closed vote. So, I mean, it just seems a really curious okay. thing not not to kind of give it to anybody else. It's sort of like just seems kind well, of they pay they paid the most money. They <laughs> pays the most oh, money. How very dare you, Mister Non Eric? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was, was going to say that the way that they do it. I, I saw the, an article just the other day that was talking about. The difference between the way the jury awards the Grammys versus how um, juries award with Oscars. You know, you can have some obscure film like My Left Foot, for example, that won, you know, Oscar for Best Picture and it sort of came out of nowhere. Some independent film suddenly is like, you know, the number one film or the the number one pick in the Grammys. And I mean, in, uh, in the Oscars. Yeah. But apparently with the Grammys, it's a, it's it's different that it's basically voted on popularity and it, not just not so much sales but it's actually it they their criteria seems to be about popularity more than anything else it'd be sort of like if every year the best picture was like one of the new terminator films or one of the new you know marvel just because uh, just for box office you mean yeah 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 that's right. that's sort of how the grammys do work it's not actually based on sales but it might as well be because it's kind of the same thing yeah and i suppose adele probably did clean up as far as so anyway just curious i don't know uh, um, non eric have you ever been involved in any tv production have you ever done any of that kind of side of things is that something that you've uh, you've seen from the real real world because mostly it's playback i'd imagine these days people aren't prepared to take that kind of yes. risk right yeah, or it's half payback where just the vocals are live. And we we had a Germany, we had a, a show here and uh, a very b a famous artist called Nina. Do you know her? Yeah, Nina, 99 Luftballon. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she did, a, she did her piece and she was awfully out of tune. Very embarrassing. Oh dear, ouch. Mm -hmm. I, I saw her live a couple of times before she was really famous and she was really bad then too. Oh, that's a shame. Um, terms of singing at least ah, well, ouch she's a great fraulein you know <laughs> <laughs> great fraulein bad singer charles <laughs> yeah have you done was, have just, you done tv mixing yourself i mean yes, when you're on the road sometimes do you kind of like they go right we're doing a show can you do the front of house i mean you must must get that yeah well i used to be the chief guy over at um at uh, hammerstein ballroom manhattan center studios in new york and we did a lot of tv shows from there so i would do broadcast mix, sometimes front of house mix, sometimes recording mix. Um, but I've done quite a lot of that. And, you know, these, and, you know, like Mark was saying earlier, these shows are really heavily scripted. So something like, you know, even 20 seconds is kind of unforgivable. And I, and it seemed like the show, even the, the show, show had great production in the sense that they recovered really well or they sort of accounted for something. So I, I don't know. That's just feeding into my conspiracy again. Ah, <laughs> there he goes. Yeah, it's all a plan. It's all a plan. I I don't know. I, but anyway, it's an interesting. Call. I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts on that? Have you done? If, did I already ask you this, Mark, about being being involved? In that you've said you've done some live TV stuff. I mean, is yeah, there off, is there often a, a tussle with you know the band are kind of going? No, actually, I want to play more of this live. And you, do you have to haggle over whether the bass player gets to play live or is it just the vocal or whatever? They draw the line at drums every time. If you're going to have a whole band there, they need like a serious truck outside to record it. So uh, 
I think that TV show is probably nearly always going to err on the side of playback or half playback. Um, I, I don't know. I've not been in the negotiation part of that, but I've been at the back end of it. It does get complicated. So you end up that you end up in a in a truck outside in the parking lot with like you know they're watching the show and they've got like a desk in there and there's somebody does the front of house but somebody separate will mix the mix uh, the feed that goes to sure. uh, TV or whatever and uh, God help them that's all I can say because they've got no idea what the music is and they've got people standing there and shouting at them there should be a delay here this should be happening this and, and all that and. Uh, I, yeah, I'm amazed it goes so well as it as well as it does sometimes. That's not the question you asked. No, me I, I no, but that that's fine. That's <laughs> that's a, that. I was gonna one thing I did want to ask, Charles. You've done it. Do the, is there a different approach to the dynamics of it? Because obviously you've got very hard level uh, constraints with TV signal. Do you have to process much harder individual instruments, or you just slap it all across the bus? Um, when in doing broadcast mix, yeah. or doing front of house during a broadcast. Um, and doing broadcast mix, uh, yeah, every time I've done it, I've done it on an EVR and, um, you know, so there's lots of processing in that board basically. And, um, and there is a lot of compression. This is back when I did, it was before there was that standard, the, the minus 23 thing, DB full scale, whatever the, whatever the new, the new thing is that's happened in the past few years. Um, but we still, we wouldn't print anything over like minus 12, uh, or not print, but right? yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so but we did compress a lot of stuff, and we mixed everything on Aurotones because back then people didn't even have decent hi-fi speakers connected to their TV. So, so it's it's always interesting trying to mix a show through Aurotones. I find. Yeah, yeah um, I can imagine. Yeah, when you've got a, yeah. the dynamics of a live band happening coming out through a pair of yeah. autos, very, very different kind of vibe. Yeah, interesting. I suppose that's why you would. Sorry, not Eric. You, uh, I was just going to just add a thought. Yeah. Aren't we in the age of cowardness? Cowards? Because when I go to YouTube and I type in grey old whistle test what's oh, it called old grey whistle test old grey whistle test yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you see all these yeah. great 70s bands play live in a TV show and it's live yeah. I they could they do it music in a, then they music what in happened really well, well the, what happened is we make music completely differently so before the 1970s people used to rehearse their songs until they were absolutely brilliant then they'd go into a studio and they'd record four songs in one day and then they'd go back and record another four songs and they'd done the album and they'd played those songs out live everywhere. Now we go in the studio and we construct everything track by track and then we try and learn to play it afterwards. And then, you know, some bands don't rehearse anywhere near as much as they ought to and they're probably not capable of playing in the way that those bands from the Grey Whistle Test era could. Um, so I think that's what's happened. And I think we need to get back to bands that rehearse and write songs and develop ideas outside of any kind of recording format. So forget all about computers, although I shouldn't be saying that on this show. At all, but, um, <laughs> Go for it. Wrong you know, like We want to create bands. And there are bands of young people who are doing exactly this, who are like going like, OK, we don't go near any of the recording stuff or any of the computers yet until we've honed our art. And then when they've got that down, then... Uh, you know they're they're capable of going out and playing live anywhere, and recreating that sound anywhere. 
So I, I you know, yeah. it's just a change in the way that we do things. Is I think it also a problem, that. Mark, because of the audience, because the audience uh, was used to uh, listening to a lot of live music in those days. They knew that there was a difference between the recording and the live sound. But these days, sure. I think there is no. No perception from the audience. They don't realize that there could be a difference. They expect live exactly the same sound yeah, they the same as sound. on record. Yeah, mm. right. yeah well, that, that's true as well. Right, uh, uh, let's just take a quick break uh, for a message from our sponsors, and then we can uh, we can come back in. Obviously, Isotope are with us again. Uh, they are telling you about Isotope Neutron, which is uh, the mix assistant and processing tool comprised of a variety of different components. What's really interesting about it is it enables you to visualize the components of your mix. So you can see where there are frequency conflicts, which traditionally you have to use your ears, which is obviously not a bad thing at all. But with the, using the masking meter, it shows you where those conflicts are and makes suggestions based on the individual tracks on what you could do about clearing up those conflicts. And it really can help clear out a mix and give you a kind of a better point to understand and then you know work back with your ears as obviously we should all do anyway uh, you've also got the ability to process individual tracks compression dynamic stuff all sorts of ways of doing it and it will detect the instruments for each track and make suggestions based on what the uh, frequency content is lots and lots of really useful things for actually just making your mix sound better so if you want to check it out, go to isotope.com forward slash Neutron and you'll be able to uh, download a free demo. And also we've got a competition. Um, last week we asked you to tweet, uh, uh, what was it, the mix champ Neutron, uh, and we've got a winner. The winner is, now this is actually really hard to read, It's the winner, uh, we asked you to do this via Twitter, and the last week's winner is twitter handle cz101 esq1 fm8 so i guess that's a bunch of serial numbers so I was, yeah i was looking at it before i realized what they all were so cz101 esq1 fm8 if you would like to get in touch uh isotope will drop a full copy of isotope neutron in your inbox so please do get in touch and of course uh, we've got another competition this week and isotope are giving away yet another copy of neutron and what you have to do is tweet uh, we, this is a twitter only competition tweet the mix factor it's my play on X Factor. Do you see what I did there? It's kind of like as we were talking about live performance. The Mix Factor has one word and Neutron, N-E-U-T-R-O-N, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That is the hashtag The Mix Factor, one word, and the hashtag Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And you will be entered for the competition. We'll announce the winner next week. Thank you very much, everybody. Right, okay, so um this is this is fun. At least I think it is. This is a very old video of Oscar Peterson in his synth studio on the Synclavia. There's a whole bunch of synths in here. Oscar Peterson, very prolific, obviously, jazz pianist, but also composer. And he's got, I think, is that a Jupiter 8 there? I think there's uh, ARP 2500. There's a terrible audio on this, unfortunately. Let's see if I can uh, fast. Yeah, there's a Jupiter. And then I think he's got a System 100. <laughs> That I would nice velour um, tracksuit there as well. But Oscar Peterson, legend. I mean, I don't know if you remember, he did a lot of stuff for Roland where he was an endorsee. He did a lot of things. And uh, it, it just struck me as one of the... I just didn't realise that this guy was a big synth guy. And I just thought, well, there are quite a few of those out there. And I, don't, I wondered if anybody had any kind of like, oh, I didn't realise they were into synths. Or, you know, what you thought about the video generally anyway. Mr. Chicky Reeves. 
I, I was very surprised that it, that Oscar Peterson was in dissent. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, but of course he is. Like, really, you know, honestly, really, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be in their right mind? Who wouldn't be in dissent? <laughs> but but that said, I was I was surprised. I mean, he seemed to have quite a collection too. So you know, that was great. Yeah, I really well, enjoyed that. <laughs> I think yeah, like I said, I spotted the Synclavier Art Twenty Five Hundred JPA System One Hundred or possibly Seven Hundred. I'm not sure. I couldn't quite make the scale out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have anything really to offer. I just thought it was quite amazing to see him, though. That was great. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. uh, th- there are there are questions though here because obviously, uh, Mister Non Eric. I mean, sometimes you find out that people are into things that you just didn't realize. You had no idea. I mean, it's kind of a bit like I- I'm guessing that must happen in your long and illustrious c- career, in your collaborations. Hmm. Is this a hmm. tumbleweed Nobody moment? Comes to my mind. <laughs> But uh, that must have been at least half a million in uh, dollars that the yeah. guy is surrounded by, right? I would think so. And we yeah. can now do that on on an iPhone with Garage Band. More or less, yeah, that's a good point. More or less. Although we couldn't play, we couldn't play the full kind of synth. Uh, uh, Repertoire. We wouldn't have the input. We still need the MIDI <laughs> no, no, keyboard. No, at no. Least. Just joking, but but it's it's amazing how uh, uh, times have changed. That only somebody as prolific, 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 yeah, prolific. That was as him to be another word. Was able to afford to be able to utilize this kind of equipment, where the democratization of uh, recording equipment has taken over and now basically there is uh, money is not a limiting factor anymore but it was in those days definitely and that's a big reminder when you see this video yeah for me at least oh no definitely Our times have changed dramatically mark i'm guessing uh yeah. you th- uh did you see the the one thing that i thought was really cool with what he was doing he said i'm a very lazy composer and so what I like to do, he plays in the, into the Synclavier. <laughs> so he's got this, what, $80,000 or $200,000 um, state-of-the-art digital uh, computer music instrument. And then he's got a dot matrix printer printing out the, the, gonna, the notes he, he puts. It's just sort of... I, I was going to say, you've got everything on the iPhone apart from the dot matrix printer. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, I I don't know. I'm, I'm constantly surprised by... Uh, who am I surprised by? I'm surprised at the number of women who come into my shop who are into synthesizers and who are music makers. And I'm still enough of a misogynist to automatically assume that when a couple walk into my shop that it's the man that is the music maker and that the girlfriend is in tow. And that's <laughs> very often I'm wrong, actually. And I've been caught out a few times recently where I've just gone, oh, God. And you feel like kind of shrinking behind the counter and going, I'm, I'm so I'm awfully sorry, you know, but. Um, I don't know. Bad upbringing. Blame my dad. Yeah, well, no, sometimes. <laughs> <Sorry, guys. laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, there are a few because there's uh, Gary Barlow from uh, Take That, big kind of UK boy band sort of. And now he's a sort of bit of an impresario on um, uh, uh, primetime TV. He's apparently really into synths. Tom Jones is apparently really into synths as well. I mean, who, who gets it? Yeah, apparently. Really? So I, I can't give you any supporting evidence of that because I, I was sworn to secrecy. But there are a number what? of people that you kind of go, wow, that's really, you know, I just did. You would not necessarily think that. And I, I'm sure that uh, I've heard a story recently as well, whereby I think it was uh, Chris. Uh, no, oh, who's the guy? Oh. Um, oh, Barry Manilow. 
is really oh, into, right. really into contemporary music, like big style. You know, follows all the latest trends and really, uh, but and would love to be kind of able to apply some of this stuff to his own things. But obviously, he's got a very specific uh, audience, and you know, it's a question of perception and stuff. And I, I just, I just love the idea that there's a lot more of this around, and the, the idea that one has to keep it secret from one's audience. So it's just so. Like, there, there must be like lots of secret um, uh, cameo performances on things. Um, and the reason I'm saying that, and this is a bit sideways, but then, you know, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> because um, uh, I started collecting Top of the Pops albums. Can you remember them from the 1970s? Yes, um, I do, yeah. So every week they would release uh, cover versions of everything that was in the chart, and it was on a record label called Pickwick, I think. And what I discovered mm. about those records is that the very early ones had people like um, Elton John on it. So oh, Elton John the, the sang session. loads of parts before he was famous. So there's like, um, it, there must be opportunities for some of these uh, synth nuts. Like maybe Barry Manilow is secretly all over the Prodigy, Prodigy album or something, or uh, <laughs> you know, he's done the synths on something that you just wouldn't expect, and it, and they've uh, they've credited credited him as something else, you know. Well, actually, now I come to think of it, wasn't Barry Manilow um, involved in the early kind of LA music scene? And he was actually a session player and played, was, was one of those guys who could, who was a re- really musically uh, gifted, you know, one of those people who could say, I need to, uh, you know, we're going to play this, here we go. And he was one of those kind of, yeah. so I saw you nodding there, wow. Charles. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, and I'm not sure a lot of people in this country know it. In the States, they definitely know it. He wrote the theme songs to a lot of, a lot of a uh, lot of retail establishments and things like that. Like he wrote the McDonald's theme song, and and I believe he may have written the Burger King theme song as well. Wow. So, Specialist in burger burger songs. Yeah, he wow. was like a, a big jingles guy because he he's, he was such an amazingly good musician, and you know he could just knock it out vocally too. Uh, I mean he was fan, he still is actually a fantastic songwriter, but you know but he was God he made a lot of money doing jingles so. I, I'm kind of envious of that. Yeah, <laughs> so, be nice. My jingle repertoire is a lot smaller than his. So, Mark, you said fantastic songwriter, and I pulled a snare, and then I thought, actually, you know what? He really is. He really is. I mean, it really may not good... be to your taste, obviously, but no, uh... it's not to my taste. But I have to admire his um, talent, definitely. Yeah. That's what we have to do. Well, anyway, that that topic obviously didn't go anywhere. So let's try this one instead. <laughs> let's try this one. <laughs> Assuming it'll play. Ah, this, I love this. This is uh, basically a short a clip from a short film. It was actually 2014, I believe, when it came out. Third Man Films. And it's a short film about the artistry of the Foley artist. And uh, it's... I just... I, I don't know about you, but I found it really fascinating. I'll see if I can fast forward it a bit, because they're obviously getting all the props. And uh, this... Uh, I think this is... Uh, what they got? Uh, Pete Burgess and Sue Harding. So now uh, I think we're getting to a bit of... Oh, sorry, I can't fast forward it very well, right? So I think we're getting into a little bit of... Uh... Yeah, here we go. <laughs> well, uh, what's interesting about this is obviously they're watching it to picture, but look at the concentration on their faces. They're sort of totally in the zone. Cutting up bits of paper that are herring. I know I could watch it for ages, and I and I actually did. But 
This uh, one thing that that got me about this. I mean, I wonder if that's all done. But the first thing that I thought that just looks incredibly complex. I mean, why on earth wouldn't you just make location sound better? Because then it's actually synced to picture, and you sort of don't need to do that. Does anybody have any insight to this? Have you ever done? Yeah. Not Eric. Have you ever done any of this stuff? Sorry, uh, is that something you've ever come across? Not. Well, we do videos outside, yes. and uh, just from my very really small experiences is that trying to capture um, good location sound is virtually impossible. And there's also another aspect to it: we, you know, you need to isolate these sounds. You know, they need to be there's they need to be kind of over realistic. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, they have to be some sounds don't sound like we yes. imagine they sound. That's so right, the yeah. Foley artist creates a sound that we think this sounds like. And in reality, it may sound a little bit different. So it's the Foley artist needs to sort of uh, create, um, not an image, uh, um, what is it? Um, English word. It's it's not the real thing, but it's something that's over over representative. A, car a caricature. Character yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. The Im and, and and that is so much better to create in a studio. And um, when people do low budget movies or films, they usually do not use location sound because it's very, very, very difficult to get a clean and good location sound. Uh, okay. I mean, because I was looking at this and I was thinking, you know, obviously they're going to. There's no way that they can rehearse all of those movements and get them all in time. So presumably they get moved around a little bit as well. So then there's another pass where they get resynced or something. I mean, I don't know. Well, you, you seem to have something to say there, Charles. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, just because I've worked in this so much. I've done uh, dialogue replacement and a bit of Foley work myself. Like, for instance, I was working on this song with someone once and they needed the sound of like the power switch going out. And when we actually went to a real power switch, record it, put it in the song, it just sounded like, you know, made no <laughs> sense at all. But, um, yeah, one of the, like, like what non-Eric was saying, you know, a lot of times, you know, imagine Game of Thrones, how much it would take you out of the drama of it if, you know, you hear these two characters talking to each other and then just in the distance here, you know, playing, <laughs> playing. <laughs> So a lot of times they'll go in and redo all the dialogue for things like that. And then the same thing is true for the Foley. It's just, it's such an advanced mic placement in such an uncontrolled environment. It's better just to get it done in a Foley studio. So, um, and as Don Eric also said, it's, you have to sort of over-dramatize things. Um, Especially for things like like Game of Thrones, you know, when someone pulls a sword out, it's it's amazing what they'll do. They'll they actually use instead of some normal size sword, some just massive size sword size of sword that's been wrapped up in, in an old tin garbage can, and they yank it out really slowly, and then lots of chains as the horses are galloping, that kind of stuff. It's it's very advanced work, and that's uh, it's quite an art form. I think it's amazing. I just uh, I'd love yeah. to get more into it. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I think I sort of said it in many ways. I, I actually, this was something that I, if in another life, that's what I would love to do. I don't know. Mark, have you ever done any of that stuff? I mean, we've, we, you know that, that you got that thing. Yeah, I'll do some Foley work and you pick six, you get six, a sample of six footsteps on pavement and gravel. And then you somehow got to try and sync them up and make them sound random. Absolutely not <laughs> happening, right? So, um, I have done it. Um, it's uh, counterintuitive because the sound never falls on the, frame that you think it does so i used to like try and spin through and stop it on that frame and write down the simty code and then put the thing in the computer on the same code and then 
try and sync it all up and actually uh, you can't put the sound on the thing you have to put it is it before or after i can't remember actually but um now, and i've i also know another chap that does it who does it in sg air lindhurst and they've got a special room where they've just got trays full of gravel and cabbages and stuff like that i think and i think the um the problem with capturing sound in a live environment is reverb so uh you get uh, natural reverbs on things which don't sound natural uh, in a world where we're close micing things like dialogue. So if you record dialogue uh, while you're making a, a movie, it just sounds wrong. So you have to, uh, all the uh, actors have to go in and resync all the dialogue and record it all again dry. Um, so I think it's it, it's a, the reverb thing that's the problem. Right, controlling the ambience of it, right. And then things are spilling into each other. And as Hans said, you've got to like separate things out and you want to be able to control the, the mix a lot more. It's a bit like uh, I watched a film on uh, Saturday night with uh, Nicolas Cage in it that was not very good, actually. Um, but uh, what I noticed about him is that he was wearing a lot of makeup. So he's got like eyeliner on. And um, so he's like a sort of a... Um, an exaggerated version of himself and and everything that we see on picture is an exaggerated version of that thing because it gets you uh, drawn into the picture and it helps your imagination so i think we have to do the same with sound um it's like hyper reality yeah, yeah no doubt in 50 years time we'll look back at it and think what were we doing that was just crazy mm. but i mean if you watch the uh, michael kane movies from the 1960s i mean he's got so much makeup on he looks almost like a woman He's got like blusher and eyeshadow and uh, uh, what's it called? Mascara and lipstick. <laughs> I had no, but that used to be that used to be masked in the cinema in the old days, and we start sure. to see that now that because we don't have the the jiggery think, jaggery film running. I and mean, I think Alfie, if you go and watch the film Alfie, the original one with Michael Caine in it, he just his makeup is so over the top. I have anyway, a question. Yes. Um, uh, do you guys know how much, uh, how, uh, what the percentages of the dialogue in Game of Thrones that is later recorded? No, I have no idea. It, I would imagine it would be 100%, but I mean, maybe it isn't. Really? Is it that that much? I, I don't know how I'm, much it is. Yeah, I have no idea. In old movies, you sometimes hear when you have headphones and you in bed and you're watching an old movie, you can sometimes hear how the sound of the voices changes. Ah, mm -hmm. I hadn't noticed that. It's, yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, dubs and what have you. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and also, obviously, with the hyper, with not something we suffer here from, uh, it, we end up in 720, but the the, brat, the sort of new sports-style cameras, I mean, some drama is now shot 60 frames a second, 120 frames a second, 4K, and it just looks weird. It's really distracting. The reality is sort of too much. I don't really need to see every individual hair coming out of somebody's nose or, you know, a kind of <laughs> halo of ear hair. I mean, I find that really distracting, and I think it is, it, it, in some ways, you know, flattening it, and to a degree, you know, even though you're using the hyper-real, there's a certain flattening of the information that we're getting because it's easier for us to, to, to deal with. So, yeah, I, I mean... I, it's like a say, big problem in Hollywood. Old actresses hate it. Yeah, I can imagine. They I mean, hate it. They need, you know, like they used to have... Uh, they, they would put Vaseline on, on the lenses in the old days, and it's an old... You know, it was always about making the woman look beautiful, and 
And trying to do that in 4K, that's a hell of a job. Yeah, well, everybody's going to have to be like 12, aren't they? Because, you know, that's the only way that their skin will still stand up to the test. Yes, bizarre, isn't it? Or you have to be a sort of really unnaturally healthy human being to get away with it. <laughs> so, anyway, um, there were a couple more... I, th- to- I mean, so- I just, on the one final, I think I share your love of making weird, like, sound effects things, and that would definitely be my dream job, to be in that world doing that. Um in reality, it's probably really hard work, and it probably wouldn't be my dream job. But I imagine that that's. Oh well, that uh, yeah, actually, you've reminded me of the other question I was going to ask, which was, okay, that's oh. what I wanted to do, or particularly, actually, I wanted to do sound effects for cartoons. Uh, that's something I'm really interested in, uh, Mr. Non Eric. If you weren't doing yep. what you were doing now and you found your path, is there a parallel career that you 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 would have chosen if you if you could go back and do it again, or you maybe you do it as a hobby and would like to make it professional? Well, this could... question, I would have loved to have a bit more earlier notice <laughs> to think about it. <laughs> um, uh, let me have a look. I know the answer to mine. I could do you mine if you want. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you do it first. Um, so when I was a kid... Um, I saw two things in, in my life. One of them was when I was seven, I had a Slade poster above my bed and I went, I want to be a pop star. And then the other one was my grandfather was an engineer. Uh, so I took the pop star route and decided that I'd get into music. Um, but also, you know, mum and dad were like, better have something to fall back on. So I did a little bit of engineering uh, and I did an engineering apprenticeship and I know how to use a lathe and all that sort of stuff. And I'm very mechanical. So I would take all of my audio skills, everything that I can do now, and I would go and work for um, Ferrari or Lamborghini or, or I don't know, Rolls-Royce or something. Or no, no not them. Loud cars. Um, but I would, I would love to use all of my uh, existing musical skills to create the noises for electric cars because electric cars... Um, they're just silent, aren't they? Yes, that's so they a good point. Of, we have to come towards you, and I think they should be noisy, but I don't think they should go vroom, vroom. I think they should go... <laughs> and do, like, some crazy wild stuff, but it should all be... Uh, it should all be related to the amount of accelerator being done by the driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Torque and the pull and the forces and the g forces. As should, it should it should be related yeah. but different. Now, I think that's a good. We did talk, that, we did that would be my dream. We have talked about this, haven't we? Like someone creating engine uh, um, car engine sounds for electric cars. Uh, uh, um, oh, have we? Yeah, uh, oh, sometime in the past. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting cause. Okay, we'll come to you, was, uh, Charles. I was going to say you could do. Yeah, like a, you could have like a whole suite of sounds that you can download for your car. So like exactly. you want your Tesla to sound like a Model T with one of those big horns on it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff. I think that would be great. People would, would know you were coming. I'd love that. So what about, uh, what about your alternative career path? Oh, it wouldn't be in music. It'd be in politics. Okay. That, I guarantee it. I'd, I'd go into the thankless job of politics the thankless soul-crushing job of, of po- u.s politics which is a really scary place to be right now so yes i can imagine yeah. okay <laughs> so, luckily i'm in music so you I, don't I, have, I have to worry, worry about, about it, it. Uh, yeah. have you had have you had enough thinking time yet non-eric or are you yeah uh, that's yes yes i'm, I'm not <laughs> the problem is well it's not a problem i've always done what i wanted to do so it's very yeah, very well, hard that, that for me to come up with an alternative Gardening, maybe. <laughs> I, don't well, know. I suppose it could be a specialist, a specialist niche within your current field. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, that's what, for me. It was like the sound effects thing would be a specialist niche. Yeah, or, or I could be no. 
I would have, now I know, I would have loved to be somebody like Thomas Gottschalk, a big presenter, you know, on, on the big stage of German television, doing all these great all right. big shows, you know? Ah, okay. Variety. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you, hello and welcome. You have to have you know? hand, don't you have to have a handheld mic for that now? Or are they, does yeah, everybody yeah. go, yeah. Handheld mic, yes. It's a really Rule number one. Handheld mic. Never give the handheld mic to anybody else when you are in charge. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very valid point. Okay, all right. Well, um, we've got a couple more uh, quick ones to get to. Um, first one was, now, th- uh, as I said, it is a bit of a slow news week, uh, which is why we're kind of talking around the subject of uh, music technology. Um, obviously, with NAM and all the other things that have happened, you know, lots, lots of people sort of shot their load in terms of new product releases and what have you. So so this is why the, 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 uh, the subject is a bit more meandering. But one of the things I came up with was, uh, what was the last plugin you bought and why? And I, I was going to start that off because I did buy, uh, what did I buy? I bought the Valhalla Shimmer. I think my last, um, which was 50 bucks, which is just, you know, a shimmer reverb. As I, I'm very fond of that particular sound. Uh, it's a very basic looking plugin, but it sounds absolutely massive. And uh, for, for kind of ambient synth noodling, which is what I'm doing uh, when I get the chance, it works a treat. And I think it was 50 bucks. So that's and I bought it for that reason. So that's where I'm going with that. Mark, how about you? Come back to me. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Chicky Reeves. Yes. I'm going to sound a little bit like I'm a shill for one of your sponsors. Okay. Or for you. But Neutron. I just absolutely love that plugin. I okay. love it. I love it. I use it on everything. Just, it's a, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And wh- I think it's, it's my favorite plugin they've ever made. By far. Is that because it helps visualize the mix side of things, or what? What is it about it that? Because I mean, that's the sort of big sales pitch, isn't it? I mean, that's the, the one of the points that, that makes it kind of do what it does. Or are you found a, an alternative use for it? Uh, not, not so much that you know. Like what I could do is I could put an instance of that on every single track, and just have it analyze and just do what it thinks it should do with the track, and it will make a mix sound kind of seventy five percent there. It's it's just really. St- Stunning how well it works, and and how well it analyzes the track, and just the little. I mean, it, you can get to a point where you have Exciter on every track, and that could be a little over overwhelming, but it just sounds great on everything, especially on bass and on drums. And it's just, you know, I, I love it on everything. Really, that's everything. interesting. Could so you, you could do so. You could you could have a a neutron hourly rate, which is obviously less of your involvement, <laughs> and that's a, right, a, and and a manual hourly rate as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, really, yeah. I, I've been able to pull mixes together so much faster since I since I got that, and and uh, it's just it's really well thought out. It's and it's it's a channel strip. That's what it is. It's a smart channel strip. Is what it is. That's so. true. I would like to point out that was in no way rehearsed or set up, but I'm I'm, no, I'm no. obviously very pleased for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I I do love it though. I do okay. love it. So. Um, Mr. Non Eric. Well, uh, maybe I could get Isotope to pay me for another plug because I must agree to Charles' perception. Really? Yeah, wow, I did a, is... I did a rough mix just with neutrons on all the channels, and it was great. I mean, since I hate mixing anyways, and a great fat limiter on on the, on the master, and that's all you need, you know. It's uh, you know if it, with a lot of limiting, a lot of compression, everything mixes by itself anyways, and then a little bit of tweaking done by neutron, and off we go. So mix in five minutes, love it. 
That's really I would agree, inter- yeah. That's really interesting. I wonder, do you think that there's uh, a, a, a danger of, I mean, because this technology is bound to spread into other other plugins and other technology. I'm sure there are other ones available. Do you think there's a danger that that sort of thing is going to end up, we, we end up with a slightly generic sound to, to things in the same way that we did maybe in the, the mid-90s with Pro Tools sort of had everybody was using Apogee interfaces and there was just mm. a sound to everything, wasn't there? Oh, definitely. There's the danger is is there, but will will the listener care? Really? I, I mean, it'll be about the, it'll be about the idea and the tune. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Because I think we're we're greatly um, over exaggerating, or we're exaggerating, over exaggerating. I think it's not possible. It's a double. Yes. Yeah. Well, my English today is really bad. I'm sorry, guys. It's not. It's fine. It's better than mine. Um. Uh, and so um, I think it's going to be very helpful. I mean, things, because we need to produce stuff faster, 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 mm. you know, in a, in, a, in a more and more shallow way. So, you know, we can't go that deep because we have to, you know, uh, release 10 tracks a week or stuff or master 10 tracks, mix 10 tracks. All the guys that I know here in Berlin who are doing, you know, mixing and mastering, they do it for a very low fee. So they have to, you know, crunch out mixes like three or four a day. And uh, inevitably, we're going to need intelligent tools to be able to cope with that. It will make everything a lot shallower, if you understand what I mean. I mean, it's not that deep in terms of, you know, how it's done, it will do the job, it's there and it will work and next track tomorrow. So, you know, everything is, the turnover time is so quickly, we won't even have time to uh, to think about whether there would have been maybe a better mix. I don't think it's very important. And if, if we can get tools that help do a mix faster, I think they will be welcome well, that's, and that's- nobody's stopping you from tweaking it. That's interesting. I just quite another quick point on that. I guess the thing is, is if you put your mix into something like Neutron and it sounds fine and it, it comes up with a perfectly acceptable mix, but the artist doesn't like it for whatever reason, yeah. you know, it's two X or Y. How do you then break it apart and change that if if the machinery is doing that job? Oh, or that's easy. Oh, OK. Because it's, bas- it it's basically... Oh, yeah. It's basically uh, setting up it's like an intelligent channel strip. It will set up the channel strip according to what it analyzed. And then you have all the parameters in front of you. And ah. you can change every parameter individually. Is that correct, Charles? Yeah. Yes. What yes. You this? can go back what? and, and change everything thing? about it. Oh, I'm sorry? Uh, yeah, uh, no. oh, what's this yeah. thing called again? Uh, neutron. It's uh, isotope neutron. Right. And well, what I was going to say is, you know, you can, yes, you can... You can have it on everything. You can get the mix seventy five percent there. But the the thing that's going to separate, you know, the mix that's just knocked out quickly using Neutron and say, you know, a really professional sounding mix is going to be the experience of the guy who's operating or or the girl who's operating. Yeah, yeah, always, always. It's it's always down to because I, I don't I never like I'll have Neutron will analyze the track and make it make it suggestions and that's great and I will I will go with probably. I don't know, at least half of what they suggest. I might just tw- change a few things and or deactivate a few things or intensify a few things. But I, I, I will never really just leave it as is. It's the right. same thing with yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, synth okay. patches. You still it's go the, in and the, change it. The so. last bit. Okay, yeah. so Mark, what's your pl- last plugin? Glitch Machines Fracture. Glitch Machines uh, Fracture, okay. Which is a 
Shall I read what it says? I couldn't remember what it was called. I thought it was called Fractal Audio, but it's not. It's called Fracture. It says, Fracture is a patchable glitch processor designed to facilitate the creation of mind-bending malfunctions. Ah, and it looks like that, or at least that's the graphic. It looks like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically, it's uh, circuit-bending in software, kind of. Oh, let's have a quick uh, listen. Like time, time delay... Uh, based granular oh. kind of mangling mess which is uh, the, you know i like doing that to things right um, although i've discovered actually recently what i really like doing with um, things like spoken word or lead vocal is you keep them really tight and dry and then bang in the middle of the mix and then stick that through some kind of like nice smooth washy kind of reverb thing then whack it through fracture so you fracture the shit out of Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse yeah. my language. The poo uh, out of it. Can we do that one again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Rewind. Uh, yeah. So I, you I, I, I fracture, the, fracture the reverbs and the delays. So actually you've got this world of kind of broken things floating around in the background, but then you've got this beautifully pure, clear kind of ah, thing in the middle. So it doesn't detract from the content. I like the it idea kind of, of that. Adds to it. I like the idea of that. Very nice. Okay, well, um, what's the time? It's uh, just coming out of five o'clock. Oh, there was this last thing, which was uh, some art by... Uh, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, art by um, something called Lucy Eldridge, which is some nice... Yes, yeah, state bingo. Which was some nice watercolours of some synth-making uh, stuff. We've got... Uh, that looks like a CS15D and a Volca sample, Minimoog, and a Eurac system, Juno 60... This is uh, OP1. OP1 and uh, oh. some nice cassettes. There's some lovely stuff. Actually, so this is, this is I don't know if you can buy it anywhere, but I just thought it was some uh, something a bit, because often we see, you know, cakes and what have you, but there was some actual art. That's uh, LucyEldridge.com. Uh, that's from her Music Make Noise, Makes Noise collection. It's based in Brighton in the UK. Got any synth art, non-Eric? No, but a synth uh, deck, uh, what's it called? Playing cards from Ah, Dave. of course, Top Tramps. I love those. Top Tramps They're too. great. And I guess some vintage analogue synthesizers or any digital synthesizers are, are works of art in their own right that you can have dotted about the place, right? Yes. That's true. I mean, here's this is a uh, here's the Matrix Brute, which is a kind of a work of art because it's such a massive, monumental, monolithic <laughs> thing, <laughs> I suppose. And it's got uh, it's got lights, all the blinky lights and everything. So I guess that's one thing. Have you got any synth nice. art, Charles? No, no. I I'll, I wanted to get one of those um, one of those Moog uh, sofas. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah, but that was vetoed very quickly. So it just doesn't really go with the decor of anything else. So. You have to have that in your studio only. Yes, but yeah. I already have a black sofa back there with the Beatles on them. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, no, I don't, I don't have any synth art. I, I mean, having a lot of synth, I view them as kind of pieces of art unto themselves. They are gorgeous. I love those old Some synths, indeed so. are. Some indeed are. Mr. Mark Tinley, any synth art or audio I promise art? I, didn't, I promise I didn't set this up. Oh, you got a, a mo cushion. Oh, no. that's nice. Oh. But also, like, um, I don't know. I suppose that's what I what I've been moved towards doing is making artistic things out of musical instruments. So, ah, right. Uh, okay. People come in the shop and they go, "I've got this guitar. It's like, what will you give me for it?" And I buy the guitar, and it's some gnarly old thing, and and then I attack it with an angle grinder and make it even more gnarly and. Um, and I've, I've been finger painting on them with emulsion paint and just creating these weird things. Um, 
but uh, so and synthesizers if you go to um normal for glastonbury.uk um the person who writes that blog came into the shop and interviewed me and i make uh synthesizers and then put them in unusual boxes so i've got um uh, a three oscillator synth which is in a an incense holder somebody came in and said oh i don't like this incense mark would you like it and i went mm, no not really but i love the box so <laughs> i took the box and housed something in it so i'm playing that on a film that she made when she that not the incense giver but the first person who wrote the article um, I'm playing that synthesizer through uh, a toy TARDIS, which has a, <laughs> a digital delay built into it, which is also, I think, that's a piece of synth art because although it's um, uh, although it's technically a delay, it self oscillates. There you are. Is that uh, you? That's you doing it right there. Look at that. That you is look, me doing look, it. Yeah. You look seriously Waving artistic things around. <laughs> that's lovely music. Ah, nice. Excellent. Well, I, I once again, I know that some of the natives have got a bit restless. We weren't very synthy this week. I mean, I did show a picture of the Matrix Brute. The reason we didn't talk about that this week is because, you know, we've talked about the Matrix Brute. The next thing will be a review of that. That's my next thing on the, on the cards. Obviously, there's the uh, Roland System 8, which has just gone out. It seems to have got an enormous... I mean, it's like, it's like 400 comments on that. People are arguing endlessly about the analogue or digital nature of it. No, no, did you get a chance to try the System 8? Nope. No. Okay. Interesting. Charles? Mm. No, I haven't. I, I, I'm anxious to actually watch your review of it, though. Well, there are 27 long minutes of it, so I hope uh, you've got time. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite excellent. <laughs> well, I think that's probably about it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Thank you, Mark Tinley uh, from sonusmagus.com. Or is it got .co.uk.com, isn't it? It's been a pleasure you having you. And also, Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, thank you also for joining us. Your, your network has been perfect, I might add. So whatever you did, it did the job. Great. It's about to go down, though, because I'm getting internet providers switched over. So any moment now. Ah, okay. <laughs> and what's next for you? Uh, next thing is um, basically, oh, I got a, a band coming in in a day or so. And then I'm recording them through the weekend. So it's a all live and in, in, set out in my house. I'm doing the whole thing, everybody recording it once and videoing it and everything. So, Oh, wow. That so sounds like fun. fun. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us and good luck with that project. Glad to. Thank you. And also, Mr. Non-Eric, musotalk.de. Um, what's next for you? Tomorrow, 12 o'clock at noon German time, we do our version of the Sonic State podcast ah. in German. Woo-hoo. And then the following day, uh, 5 o'clock p.m. German time, with a live chat and uh, live stream, we're doing a review of the new Steinberg Halion 6 sampler. Ah, okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. That was Sonic Talk number 481. Uh, don't forget, if you want to enter the, to win Isotope Neutron, uh, you tweet the hashtag TheMixFactor and the hashtag uh, Neutron to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc., and you will be entered for the competition. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time.